everyone, and welcome back to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. I hope everybody's having a fantastic day because the holidays are approaching and it's time to be jolly and enjoy with your loved ones and just do whatever you want to do and relax a little bit. And I know work can be a little bit stressful at Q4, but everything's going to be all right. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing the founder of 111 Skin, Eva Alexandridis. I was so excited to talk to Eva because I am obsessed with 111 Skin. When I was starting my career as a makeup artist and I was assisting all these pro makeup artists, I always saw them using those eye patches and then I saw all the celebrities talking about 111 Skin. Their products are out of this world. We're going to get into all the technicalities and what makes them different in the episode. And I'm sure some of you noticed that the girls who attended my bougie best trip in October got my favorite sheet masks from one-on-one skin rose gold I'm honestly so in love with their products so in today's episode we are going to discuss Ava and her upbringings she's actually from Bulgaria which also made me feel like oh you understand me because you moved from Europe to the US. We talked about her starting the company One on One Skin with her husband. Obviously, we had to dive into the romantic side of things and how she and Dr. Yanis met. They actually met in Miami, which I love. Eva shared all of her tips when it comes to starting a beauty brand today. One of the most fulfilling part of this podcast is having the opportunity to talk to these top-notch female CEOs and just being in their presence as always if you enjoy my podcast please give it a five star rating and a review and if you're enjoying this episode if you're into the beauty space or if your friends are into the beauty space and they want to start a brand or they just want to hear from inspiring women please share this episode with them and yeah i think that's it now let's hear from eva when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Eva, welcome to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be on it. I think I, I've i been waiting for this day for so long because I've been such a fan of your brand and it's such a surreal experience that I'm actually talking to you, this person who is like behind something that I've loved for so long. So it's I'm just so grateful that you're on the show. Thank you. It's a real pleasure. I'm glad you know and you love the brand. So today we know you as Eva, the co-founder of 111 Skin, this mega successful beauty brand, but I always like to learn about the person behind. So I would love to dive into your background, your childhood, anything you can share that kind of let us know you more. Of course, um, I have quite an interesting background because I actually grew up in the communist regime. I mm -hmm. was born in Bulgaria, 
many, many years ago, I'm about to be 48 next month. So I definitely lived a time where my teenager kids don't recognize and they've only seen in the movies, but we were behind the Iron Curtain. I had a very simple upbringing. We didn't have many opportunities to have Western goods or travel. And I had a very happy but... Um, very kind of localized childhood. I think I, growing up in Croatia, it was also a war and it's a very similar mindset, I would say. And my parents always told me all about the communist regime and stuff like that. So I definitely know what you mean by, you know, not having everything people have today in the Western world or even when you go to the grocery store here, it's like so many options. And back home, you have, you know, two, three types of milk to buy or like that. That's all you get. And here you have everything. <laughs> No, you so, had more advanced time. I had one kind of milk to buy. Oh, so wow. <laughs> if you can imagine, the shelves were just very gray and there was nothing colorful. It was just bread and butter, like the essentials. And occasionally mm -hmm. we would have a coupon system. So nevertheless, my childhood was extremely happy because I just didn't know better. So I had mm -hmm. my family, my friends. We lived in a block of flats and all the neighbors knew, knew each other. And it was very safe to go to school. We, there was no crime or at least no crime that we knew of. So yeah, I, I definitely had, I have such fond memories, but I'm glad that now I live in a more Western society mm -hmm. with different beliefs. So you were born and raised in Bulgaria. And then when did you move to, you live in London right now. Tell me about your journey. My, my life could have turned completely different because I was in a sports school and my father was, he was a football player playing for, for a local team and he wanted me to definitely continue with sports. I was advancing high jump. I had, you know, very good track record. Wow. I was the champion in, in my age, I think around 15 years old. My mom was an air hostess. So she was one of the very few people that was allowed to travel and see the what we call the Western world. So to be an air hostess, you had to be some of the most beautiful ladies at mm -hmm. that time were air hostesses. They were selected mostly based on their looks, but also on their high work ethics. So she was traveling to very exotic places, Brazil mm -hmm. and New York, and where we as Bulgarian citizens had no opportunity to go because we would never be granted visas. So my mom had seen this world and she wanted me to go and study abroad. And this opportunity came in 1989 when the Soviet Union collapsed and the communist re regime started changing. So instead of going to university in Russia, where most Bulgarian mm -hmm. high achieving teenagers would go, all of a sudden I, I had a choice. I could have gone to Russia or I could have gone anywhere else in the world. All you had to do is have your high SATs, which was very easy for us because mm -hmm. we had nothing else to do apart from study <laughs> or advancing. <laughs> so it was very easy to achieve high scores. We were mostly very highly educated and very studious. And I think I had top score and I was accepted in, in a few places. One was in London, a few universities in the United States, but actually there was only one that gave me full scholarship based on my credentials. And it was a tiny little university in San Francisco. So I ended up catching a, play, a flight by myself when I was 17 years old and wow. I ventured into San Francisco. What did your family say when you decided to go? I mean, you were so young. When I moved to the US, I was 22 and my family is still back home so for them they were always like okay come back come back like okay do do your 
thing for a few months and then come back. How did your family feel when you were like, okay, you're so young, you're 17? Well, it was a bit of a clash in the family because my father definitely didn't want me to go. He believed in being a sports athlete. That was my calling. And he associated being athletic with health. So for mm-hmm. him, it was very crucial that I just keep exercising and stay fit. And that's kind of a long way for you to have high focus and longevity. And my mom definitely wanted me to experience the world because she had taste of it. So my parents were divorcing at that time. And I remember it was a very, it was a difficult time because I had to take sides. And at Mm -hmm. the end, I decided to listen to my mom's perspective on what life has to offer. And I went there with tiny, tiny, I I remember having something like a thousand dollars and I stayed in a hostel in the beginning. It was a bit of an adventure, but to answer specifically your question, I don't think my family believed that I would continue my life in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I think everybody thought that this is just achieving education and then coming back to Bulgaria and continue to live there. So you were in San Francisco for school. When did you move to London? Well, that's connected to my husband. Okay, (laughs) let's first of yeah, we need to we need to talk about your husband because you guys are both founders of this amazing brand. So let's okay, we're in San Francisco right now. Tell me what happened after San Francisco. So I was in San Francisco and I was super super fortunate because I wasn't a very good student simply because I was just thrown in that system and I didn't know how to navigate it coming from Eastern Europe to a society that didn't have so many restrictions and people are free to do whatever they want and I just took advantage of everything. You were living life. (laughs) Yeah and even like I was eating at McDonald's two times a day indulging (laughs) in too much food and just everything in excess and I wasn't taking my studies very seriously so but I was very fortunate because I did graduate. Then I had a master's degree in electronic commerce. I kind of, over the years, I started to advance more and be more focused on my studies. But it was the Silicon Valley boom. It was the birth of Silicon Valley. So I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. As soon as I graduated, I had lots of jobs, job opportunities, which is something that it's not very typical now. Basically, Mm -hmm. we had recruiters that were coming on campus and just writing us job offers. So someone that doesn't have the experience, I was very fortunate. And I started working for a few Silicon Valley companies. And it was very energetic time to be there. People were creating newness continuously and inventing new companies. But unfortunately, I was also there for the bust. So as as quickly as everything kind of escalated, then in the late uh, 1990 or 2000, Silicon Valley kind Mm -hmm. of crashed. So... I, together with a few of my friends, we decided to take a road trip and travel around the country and move somewhere else because San Francisco was becoming a very abandoned place. A lot of people mm-hmm. were departing, they were going back home and there were just no jobs. A lot of people would just come to work and you would be told, you know, give your hand your computer and that's it. You have no more jobs. So we traveled to Miami. Actually, we traveled across the country. We did a a road trip with five or six of my friends and we were stopping in different places, Alabama, Las Vegas, here and there. I think we took Route 66 at some point. And when we came to Miami, we just thought that this was the most exciting place ever. (laughs) (laughs) And we were all in our 20s. So we all decided to stay there. Wow. 
I it's it's crazy. I as I told you before, like I did so much research on you, and I didn't see the Miami part because I was like, okay, learning about the brand and how you know you guys are developing today. But Miami, and I moved here two years ago, and it wasn't a plan. It was just I was working in the beauty space. I was a makeup artist, and I was flying back and forth because I was living in New York, and COVID was obviously shut everything down. But Miami was pretty open, so I, production companies were moving down here. And when I was coming here, I was like, I'm so happy here. So I totally can understand why you guys after San Francisco and all this you know, drama going there with all the work stuff like you guys came to Miami and you were just so happy to be there okay so now we need to know how did you meet Dr. Giannis <laughs> that this is is going to take us a few days for me to, to, to really explain the story but um, I was starting to settle in Miami. I had lived there for a few years. And in the beginning, it was very difficult to find a job, actually, because having high-tech skills but not speaking Spanish was a huge mm -hmm. burden. I had an opportunity with Yahoo in the digital department, and, and they thought I was Cuban. And when I went for the interview, when they realized I was from Eastern Europe and I <laughs> didn't speak Spanish, that was the end of the interview because this oh. is the gateway to Latin yeah. America. So all the jobs, the high-profile jobs were connected with Latin America. So I was working for a small real estate company in Miami. One of my neighbors actually gave me a chance and he said, look, you either have to work in medicine or you have to work in real estate. These are the two big industries here and you can choose, but for medicine you have to study. So I was working for, for this real estate agency and actually Yanis, my husband, was one of the very first listings that I had on my portfolio of initial things that I had wow. to work on. The funny part is that he had a small apartment. He studied in the States. He did his uh, residency in Miami as well. And my first listing was uh, I had to rent this apartment for a tiny little amount. I don't remember, mm -hmm. something like $800. But I, I calculated that if I convinced him to sell it, I would make a higher commission. <laughs> <laughs> So I basically called him and he was living in London and I said, look, this is how much everything has increased. I gave like a proper spreadsheet with all the information. Uh -huh. So he, he actually said, yes, he's like, okay, if the property you were very prices, convincing. I was very convincing. <laughs> I took it quite seriously. I said, look, you know, if it, I think it had doubled in the amount of years that he had it and the rents were not yielding such a high return and I, I think I did the right thing not just wanting the higher mm -hmm. commission so we actually met face to face because he had to sign these papers and he was coming to Miami or on his way to Rio for the Rio Carnival <laughs> So, <laughs> we did it. have a very fun life went way back in time before we were both working 24 7 yeah. so he we met as he had to sign the papers for this apartment uh -huh. and i have to say i think it was quite instant our attraction i love this and i i don't know how much you know about my content but i talk a lot about relationships and dating and you know high standards and when you meet somebody who treats you right, that you should recognize that and so on. So how did you, when you said you met and you, you were, it was instant, what did you, do you remember, like, how did you feel? Or like, tell me a little bit about that moment. Yeah, I remember actually quite vividly how I felt because I expected him to be an old-fashioned doctor that you see in the movies because mm -hmm. I saw his office address was Harley Street and Harley Street is very well known for generations of doctors working. Some of mm -hmm. the top medical professionals work on this street in London and I've seen it in movies before. So I just assumed he's someone 
you know, in his late 40s or 50s, like an accomplished doctor mm-hmm. from Harley Street. And I, I picture him to be quite old fashioned, you know, <laughs> British. <laughs> he thought I was Cuban simply because in there was yeah. just a lot of Latin American people living in Miami and still there. are. And I think when I opened the door, we, we had set the time to meet. We both were very shocked with the picture that we have created in our minds about one another so he was this young guy super relaxed I mean I found him to look really handsome and I think he was in you know a t-shirt and she was like very fit and I kind of like twisted my head left twisted my head right (laughs) and actually he did the same because he thought I was maybe in my you know what I'm now in my late 40s like serious lady convincing him to sell his apartment somebody with a lot of experience and I had just started so both of us were surprised at what we perceived we we were. I think because it was Miami and it was a much more fun kind of ambience and place. We just went out that night. I had a few friends and I just invited him. I said, if you want to come with us. And we ended up spending an evening having drinks together. So we got to know each other a little bit more. And it was... Yeah, I just, I liked so many things about him. Wow. And how long you've been together now? We have been together for 21 years. Wow. Okay, well, since we're on the topic of uh, relationships, what would you say one thing that you think is a key to a good relationship? Like long and healthy. And obviously there's going to be always ups and downs in life and it's always going to be something that you need to go through. But what would you say is like key to maintain a long-term relationship? I think the key with Yanis and I is definitely that we respect each other. This is something that's been quite apparent over the years. I think he probably admires the fact that I'm hardworking. I'm trying to be a good mom. So I think he appreciates many qualities about me so the same is for me I admire what he does I think being a surgeon is a calling it's a talent it's a passion so I have a lot of respect for how much he loves his profession but it's also the path traveled I think and both of us have started from you know relatively we both have intelligent families but none of our families have really financially supported us we both Mm -hmm. have kind of found our way in the world and I think this is a mutual respect for the path that we have traveled before we met but also for the path we have traveled together because it's been quite an exciting journey so I would love to hear about the brand and how did you guys even come up with this idea so he is a plastic surgeon and you were working at that time in real estate. Well, walk me through that process when you guys kind of figured out you have something there, like as a, you know, you can create something beautiful. Yeah, I often go back to this because it's been now more than 15 years since we started developing the brand and I'm trying to kind of remember. The reason why we exist and we created the brand is because back then so many years ago there was not as much selection of products as there is now and my husband already had his practice for five years I think in no seven he started in 2000 so around 2007 2008 he was using very good American accepted brands in his clinic that he had encountered in the states but they were quite medical and a little bit complicated to use. And plastic surgery in Europe was not as well established as it was in the States. So the patients that were coming to his practice, they wanted to be more discreet. They wanted to really consider very seriously plastic surgery. They're not very spontaneous. And even in their skincare choices, what he was 
suggesting for them the brand that he was using was very complicated. It was quite rigid mm-hmm. and quite medical with many steps. And his clients were not 100% following the instructions and relating so much towards mm-hmm. the regime that he was prescribing. So he was actually complaining to me. He was telling me, I don't understand. You know, these are really good brands. I want them to use because the results are phenomenal. But somehow along the way, they drop from using mm-hmm. specific instructions. And I remember telling him, well, why don't you change to another brand that it's more accommodating for the British customers that you're having? Mm-hmm. Because Americans are used to tingling. They're used to sensation. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> expected in a way. Like even if they have yeah. plastic surgery, they want to show yeah, it. It's yeah. almost like, you know, you have to suffer a little bit. And I remember telling him, change to another brand. And he shared with me that either you have very high performance medical brands or you have the brands that you would find in a department store, but they're more sensorial and they don't have the results that he wants. I said, there must be another brand that can combine both. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, actually it isn't. So Mm -hmm. I said, well, why don't you create one? And I think this was really my Silicon Valley upbringing. I mean, my education there, because I don't think had I lived in Bulgaria, I would have never said that sentence because we were not really mentored to be very entrepreneurial. It was very much like follow the system and, you know, Mm -hmm. work in the system. Work in an office. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I was about to ask, is there something from your past that is not beauty related that kind of helped build this brand? But you just answered the question. It's your Silicon Valley mindset and entrepreneurship and so you just combined your entrepreneurial spirit from the silicon valley to the 111 skin yeah i think i saw the opportunity i kind of saw the missing space because it was true now when i look back it's difficult to understand now because it's an influx of companies and if you ask me there's just mm-hmm. too many companies launching but way back in time it was just a few very established brands and mm-hmm. there was not so much newness and innovation and it was true that it was on both spectrums you you mm-hmm. had brands that were just beautiful to look at and beautiful on application but would not necessarily give you this high performance result and I saw the opportunity a hundred percent and luckily Yanis kind of listened and decided to <laughs> decided to follow through okay so I would love to talk about the brand and the technology you guys use such what's the right term mind-blowing space technology so I would love for you to share with our audience a little bit more about that yeah I mean this is also us Yanis being part of the industry as a plastic surgeon you have to constantly keep your accreditation his American board certified, UK board certified, which is also very difficult accreditation. But I think he was definitely part of the beauty and science industry, but we had never created a brand before. And I think probably that ended up being an advantage for us because we didn't know how to create a brand. Quick so, question for context. How old were you guys both at that time when you were creating I was the in brand? my 30s. I mean, now I'm 47. So 15 years ago, early Mm -hmm. 30s, and Yanis was late 30s, early 40s. Definitely, we had no experience in in setting up a Mm -hmm. brand. I mean, Yanis had his own practice, so he knew how to run a business and also be the working surgeon. But I think for us, the fact that we didn't have previous experience in beauty or in product creation ended up being a complete advantage because normally the way you create products is you would ask the industry specialist or you would hire someone from the industry and they would go to a laboratory and then you would talk to the scientists and they would give you a product that it's pretty much made then they can they can add ingredients that you want they can do special testing so 
there's a system of creating a brand. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there's many incubator companies now where you just go with your idea and in three to six months, they would have created a brand new brand for you with everything, with mm -hmm. the design and the ingredients and they take care of, of everything, which is a very speedy process. But we didn't go that way and I'm glad we didn't because I think that's the unique part about us. Our products were created completely from scratch, not as a ready-made formula and just enhance it. So we took a technology that was used in space. Yeah. It was given as a supplement to astronauts and it's a very potent antioxidant, which my husband understood and recognized because it's used in medicine. It's called um, glutathione and we wanted to use this ingredient in skincare. So we started testing and working on specific products to see how it would work in a topical form. It took maybe three years for us to create mm -hmm. the very first product. So it was a very, very long journey, which these days is usually not the standard. But you guys still are known as one of the leading luxury brands. And I, as I mentioned, I used to work as a makeup artist that I remember when I was just starting in the field and I was assisting all these huge makeup artists that would always have those eye patches. So what would you say, how did you position yourself as a leading brand on the market? Market. A few things. A mask is a little bit of a different topic, but initially when we created the very first product, it had ingredients that had not been used in skincare before. So mm -hmm. we were very fortunate because Harrods actually gave us a chance and it wasn't, we didn't know anybody. It was really the buyers in Harrods started testing the product. They saw a huge difference. And now when I think about it, I don't know how they gave us a chance because we were a tiny little brand. We had zero budget for marketing. I, we couldn't even print a brochure sure we just had a tiny little mm -hmm. bottle and packaging but they believe in the validity of the brand and the results and we also had very strong clinical studies so they gave us a chance I don't know if they truly believe that we would have the success that we currently have because I think now in Harrods last week we were a top seven beauty brand in the whole I don't know how many brands they have hundreds so I think we might have even surprised them but I think they saw the efficacy and and they wanted to give us an opportunity and also they saw that their clients were looking for more medical driven brands. I think that happened to be a trend in the late 2000, 2012 when we launched where a lot of the gadgets were coming, the Clarasonics and medical devices. Mm -hmm. So they thought that there is space for medical brands if people veering towards medical devices as well. And there were just not enough brands that had the same efficacy. So mm -hmm. we, we were able to establish ourselves quite quickly because the products were working. Whenever we gave a sample to someone, people would come back and they would buy the products. But the mask, you, you asked, that's a little bit different. We definitely brought the masking technology to the Western world. So the mm -hmm. masks are, it was a difficult process because the mask technology existed in Korea. I discovered biocellulose technology more than 10 years ago and it was used, but the Western world had not really caught up to that trend. And I actually even think that they found it a bit gimmicky. So they mm -hmm. really didn't believe in the nine-step, ten-step ten regime from Korea. But we, because of Yanis's knowledge, okay. deep understanding of three-dimensional healing of the skin and ingredients, when he, we started looking at masks, he 
actually selected the biocellulose right away and said that this is a very valid delivery system for skincare because biocellulose is used in wound healing in in mm-hmm. the medi- in medicine. He recognized the technology. He didn't like the ingredients that were available in Korea, and he basically challenged us, me and the team, the production team, to say if you can impregnate this technology with our ingredients, which we use in our serums, then we would have a winning product because you would use this amazing matrix, infuse Mm -hmm. it with high-performance ingredients, and you can create a penetration of ingredients that's very strong. So we actually now... I I love hearing the stories of many makeup artists using the products, but Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that we actually are responsible for this trend because it needed to have the medical backing of a surgeon for people to seriously look into masking because Mm -hmm. I think if it wasn't for us, maybe people would have still considered it kind of gimmicky and maybe not incorporated because it was Yanis as a surgeon and his endorsement, but also the clinicals that we had. I think people were willing to purchase a expensive mask and try to see what the results are and then once they use that they mm-hmm. love the effect and it became a trend oh i love it when you think about your early days what would you say was one of the biggest pain points or, or something that you had to go through back then to kind of push your idea forward because when you have some, sometimes when you have these groundbreaking new ideas people might be a little bit skeptical or they're like oh this is not going to work or nobody's going to buy it maybe it does work but how do you convince the masses yeah i mean look the masks actually were a perfect example because we were speaking to a very big retailer and they said to us that this is a trend that is not going to last and they were not interested in launching this product. Now, if you go to that same retailer, as soon as you walk into the door, the very biggest aisle is masks and, and mm-hmm. people are buying it. So it takes some courage, but I think us being the outsiders in a way, mm-hmm. both Yanis and I not having the ability to work in creating products, we just wanted to do what is the best in a way for his clients in the clinic and we were not looking to create a global brand the very first mm-hmm. product was given to his patients to speed up the healing to us this was a success if his patients were buying the products we had no expectations to actually launch globally in many different retailers if mm-hmm. the retailers were started coming to us after we launched in Harrods and we kind of just started expanding without having this plan. So today you have a huge team and you're selling internationally. In the early days, how did you guys, obviously Dr. Giannis is a doctor and he was doing that side, but like how were you managing dealing with everything else when it comes to the business? Who was doing the marketing? Who was doing the brand? Like how did you set up yourself? Because I have a lot of people who just starting their companies today and I'm sure they would love to hear from you. How do you set yourself up in the early days? I wouldn't be able to tell you if I like the early days more, if the, if I like the late days more. There's always challenges. There's big challenges in the beginning and we were very fortunate because we had friends that were willing to give us advice. Patients of Yanis would come and help mm-hmm. with branding or introduction or you know, we had a few people consulting here and there for us and we didn't require a very big team because we took the brand development very slowly. We had products for the clinic for three to four 
four years before we launched in Harrods. And then we stayed for two years in Harrods, which I can guarantee you, I don't know any other brand now these days that does that. Usually brands want to launch as quickly as possible in multiple mm-hmm. retailers. They want to grow, but we wanted to learn the business and we wanted to be sure every step along the way. So it was Barney's, a Barney's followed, which they came to us and they loved the brand. And we stayed in Barney's for a few years. So we managed with time and resources because we didn't have many resources. So everything was mm-hmm. in small batches and we were developing the brand. Now I have much bigger team, but I have to say it doesn't get easier. It, it probably is more complicated because everything is bigger. So there's bigger chances. If you fail, you fail in a stronger, mm-hmm. bigger way. You mentioned that you were building a brand slow and steady. Today, there's so many brands popping out left and right. If somebody wants to start a beauty brand today, what advice do you have for them? I have so much advice. Um, (laughs) I think people are starting beauty brands for the wrong reasons. Some of the time, they just feel that this is a field that has opportunity for growth and they just want to enter it. So if this is not your true passion and if you don't want to dedicate this as a full-time job, then you're not going to be successful. It's very difficult. It's very competitive. So if you are influencer and you have a successful career as an influencer, but then you want to start a beauty brand, you can if you love, love, love beauty, but it is more than 24-7 work. Mm -hmm. It's very serious. So my advice would be if you don't have something revolutionary, like a real point of difference, a new texture for us was very much people say that our textures were amazing and our ingredients were unique. And then we use technology that we introduced, for example, the sheet mask we brought to the Western world. So if you don't have a clear point of difference, I would say chances are long term, you're not going to have a successful brand because it's so saturated, the market. Mm -hmm. So you really need to bring something to the consumer that it's very, it's unique and it's exciting. And you always have to just think about the consumer, not about you, not about your Mm -hmm. aspirations, but how can you make somebody's life like lighten up because they use your products? Yeah, you need to make a difference in the world. When it comes to beauty, there's so many myths. What myth would you like to debunk or what would you like people to actually understand? when it comes to the beauty space and their the products they're putting on their face every day? Yeah, there's a few things that I, I try to communicate with some of my friends. Sometimes people come and say, well, we just use very simple products, but you know, my skin looks good. Your skin would look better if you use better products. So <laughs> even though if you're young and you have beautiful skin, of course you don't need a lot of products. But as time goes by, it's accumulated effect of aging. So I am definitely experiencing this in, in my late 40s. I'm going to be 50 very soon. It just kind of aging starts to show at some point so you want to give yourself and it doesn't have to be expensive products it doesn't have to be one one skin but you want to give the right products for your skin and you have to be quite careful with with the type of ingredients that you're using that they're not too harsh we have moved a very long way now from the time where it had to tingle it had to hurt Mm -hmm. it had to give you redness in order to work (laughs) there's so many advances in in biochemistry and science that you can have 
very safe ingredients that give very strong results. So I would say, even if you have beautiful skin, still pay close attention to what you're using. Don't overuse, but also don't underuse products because your skin has this accumulative effect of healing itself. So you need to help the skin be at the healthiest stage. Another thing that I discuss quite often with my friends is that makeup is really should not be there to mask your skin. You have to use makeup to enhance your skin and you should never have this philosophy of thinking, oh, but I have this amazing contouring powders and I have super high intensity foundations that can cover Mm -hmm. everything and I'm still going to look good at pictures. That's Mm -hmm. not good enough for your skin. Just to look good Mm -hmm. at at pictures, your skin might be suffering because you're suffocating the skin. So you have to have this relationship and understanding with your skin that skin comes first and then makeup just enhances everything, but not covering and masking and feel that there's so Mm -hmm. much choices with makeup that you can always cover everything, which is Mm -hmm. not the right attitude. Don't cover. Reveal beautiful skin. You have obviously such beautiful skin and I was going through your uh, socials to see your beauty routines. But for our listeners, can you tell me what is your like non-negotiable skincare routine? Yeah, I'm not, I'm surprisingly not a super high maintenance person. So uh, my skincare routine is relatively simple. One step that I never disregard is an essence or in the Western world, it's called a toner as well. I started using an essence because I saw that you're always using an essence. I swear. (laughs) This is such a crucial part. And actually, don't you feel that if you don't use it, then the rest of the products don't really sit as well. Layer. Yeah. 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 I think it's such an essential step after cleansing. You kind of want to balance Mm -hmm. your skin with a good essence. You don't want to immediately put on a serum. So this is a kind of a middle step that is very essential. But actually, an essence can also carry quite a lot of strong ingredients. So for me, it's essence. And then a serum is non-negotiable, no question. Sometimes people ask, well, can I just use a day cream instead of serum? You can use a serum instead of day cream, but Mm -hmm. don't use just day cream. Serum has a different molecular level. It penetrates and it actually heals the skin. So it's very much about recovering the skin and equipping the skin to be able to deal with daily aggressors. And then... a cream, you need to put a seal on top of a serum. So mm-hmm. if you do essence, serum, and cream, you're perfectly well equipped if you have healthy skin. Mm-hmm. If you have some problems with your skin, then you can start adding. We have some very crafty things like vitamin C booster. We have retinol oil. We have things that work for specific mm-hmm. conditions. And you can just add a drop or two here and there and really enhance your regime. I love the retinol oil, the black diamond retinol oil. I use it. Well, the black diamond retinol oil is one of these products that I was discussing. Retinols in general tend to be Mm -hmm. harsh and people expect that from a retinol you you have a reaction, but it's actually good for you and it's perfectly Mm -hmm. okay to have a a bit of reaction, but you shouldn't. We're using very strong combination of retinol and ground active uh, retin-A, but it's also super calming on the skin. So it doesn't give you, if you Mm -hmm. use that, you would know it feels like just like a beautiful oil. (laughs) But it actually, it is doing it what actually it's works. supposed to do. It actually works. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear about your daily routines. How I'm, I'm sure every day is different since you're running such a huge company. But if you can like walk me through your typical mornings, how, how does that look? I can walk you through my morning this morning. Please. <laughs> okay. Let's do it today. Let's, let's talk actually, about today. Yeah. It's quite typical. I mean, Tuesday is my 
it's almost every Tuesday unless I travel is the same. So we have two boys, they're 18 and 12. So we like to wake up with them in the morning because that's the only time that it's quality time before all of us start running to our activities. So we have breakfast together from 7.30 to 8. And then we take the kids to one to the train station and one to the school bus. And then we have every Tuesdays, we actually work out together with my husband. We have a personal trainer that we have known for many, many years. We do 45 minutes with him and today happened to be a beautiful day. So we took the workout in the park. We finish around 9.15. We walk together. We have coffee and then Yanis goes to his office and I come to my office so Tuesdays I love Tuesdays and Fridays because Fridays we do yoga sessions Mm -hmm. Wednesdays and Thursdays Yanis leaves even before I open my eyes so he usually goes these are his surgical days so at seven o'clock he's already gone so I don't have this quality time with him and then I stay in my office until six or so I try not to have super late days and then I go home I spend more time with the kids could be going out could be having dinner at home I love that. Yeah. I, I I love that you also do cryotherapy. I saw a video that you were doing with your mom. I tried cryotherapy a few times and it's it's very challenging. <laughs> it's very <laughs> difficult to stay in that chamber. It's really it's really cool. This is our chamber actually. We yeah. we're a bit of a um, experiential brand because people think of us sometimes people just know parts of it. They think it's only the skincare, but we also we brought the very first cryo chambers in the UK which are mm-hmm. for lifestyle purposes. So we opened a cryo business or cryo center mm-hmm. in Harrods and in Harvey Nichols and we brought it because we love it. It mm-hmm. wasn't also meant to be a business. It was really something mm-hmm. that we saw in New York and we felt that it gives us an amazing energy and it didn't exist in the UK. So we decided to set up this tiny little business here. And I would say maybe for Miami, you don't really need it so much because... <laughs> <laughs> the AC is so strong in Miami. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure it exists and you can build up the resistance. So you can yeah. start at two minutes and three minutes and then you can you what's can the longest you stayed in in a chamber well i stay for four yanni stays for five minutes so i think this is kind of the maximum we want to stay but we have some very important people and athletes that the recovery for them is is, is crucial for the type of work that they do and they come religiously so it makes a very big difference in mm-hmm. in you mindset and it also in the muscle recovery and, and longevity okay i just have two more questions so the brand has been around now for what since 2012 is that right since 2012 in repel but in the clinic since 2007 <clears throat> what do you wish that you knew back then when you were starting the brand something that would kind of make things maybe a little bit easier or run things smoother in the very beginnings i think i didn't really understand the challenge of managing people. Mm -hmm. I think no one had prepared me for this. And it's just not an easy task because having a big team, it's a living and breathing organization. And you can never make everyone 100% happy. And I take things quite personally. Some of the people that I love that were with me from the beginning, they have left and moved on to different adventures. And Or, or, you know, some people come and they're not the right fit. And it still takes a very big toll on me. I wish I had studied HR and understand (laughs) human psychology better and know the challenges of continuously having an evolving team because very few companies are fortunate enough to just 
have the same startup team continue with them. And it is transient when it comes to people and actually a lot more transient in the last few years since COVID, because I, mm-hmm. I really feel that people feel that they want to try different things. They want a little bit more freedom and adventure in the way they work. So it's much more transient as of lately. Mm-hmm. And it is a challenge because, you know, you put a lot of time and energy and effort when you're a founder in your team and they are part of who you are as a brand and losing people is never easy. It has not become easier over the years. Okay. I do have a, an additional question on top of this question. <laughs> what qualities are you looking for when you're hiring? We have our company values. So we are a little bit, we're an interesting company in a sense that we are already established. If you look at our global presence and our recognition, but at the same time, we're still family. It's me and my husband run the company. It's quite entrepreneurial. So I'm looking for people that have resilience, that are also can work in a team that are happy to not to be super structured because we are constantly creating new ideas, inventing things. We are not run as a big organization. The hiring process, it is challenging because if it's your own company, you're very vested in the people that work for you. And sometimes, to me specifically, it takes more than six months to hire, especially if it's someone on the leadership leadership level. Nobody is just available. So you Mm -hmm. have to wait. First of all, you have to interview people. Then you have to wait for the notice period. So sometimes it's between six and nine months. And then if they come and they're not the right company fit, then you start over again and you've lost Mm -hmm. so many months. So you have to be a psychologist when you hire as well to make sure that the people survive in the culture that you have Mm -hmm. created. Is there any trick questions that you ask them to kind of vet out (laughs) anybody who doesn't (laughs) doesn't match with the team? Yeah, we're we're kind of looking to see if people are self-starters and more driven. And if they have worked in big organizations, we tend to be a little bit more concern because in bigger beauty companies you tend to kind of have your own task and you have to master Mm -hmm. it and that's what you expect to do to be a very professional at one thing for us we want this round talent where people can contribute and ideas in different departments and i'm almost looking for people who can start their own company in a Mm -hmm. sense and actually quite a few of the people that have worked for me over the years have gone on to start their own companies which i'm very proud of yeah you inspire them One final question that I ask all of my guests is, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self? Hmm. I Look, every stage is very different. I don't know if I would give an advice to my younger self because I am actually quite happy with the way my life turned out. It's difficult and it's challenging at times, but I wouldn't change it for anything, simply for what we have discussed. You know, we've, we've both come from a small country somewhere in Eastern Europe where most people in Miami would not be able to even pronounce or know what's the capital. And <laughs> that's why my, my, I go by Coco because the, my name is Cornelia. So when I was saying my name here, like people were just butchering it all the time. So it's Coco. <laughs> yeah. Many, I mean, many years ago, I remember I was telling people, I'm from Bulgaria. And they would say, oh, in Latin America, Bolivia. They, they thought it was Bolivia. So yeah, yeah. look, we it, it, it's what I said like we've traveled we we have the path i mean what i think the advice might be that i would i would understand 
people more and I would understand their circumstances more because everybody has their own path and there's many challenges along the way. No one is just successful because they're successful. They, they've had their ups and downs. So maybe be less critical and, and really understand that even if someone does things that are not right or even if someone is perceived to hurt you, it, it might not be you. It might be just them and it has nothing to do with you. So people's circumstances... Yeah. More understanding and compassion. Yeah. Is Eva, that a better than me? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we see I, we know each other. <laughs> I mean, it's the European mindset, I'm telling you. <laughs> I had so much fun talking to you. And again, thank you for being on the show. I would love for you to share where can everybody find you and where can everybody buy 111 Skin? Well, in the States, we are very, very fortunate because we we started in Barneys, which doesn't exist anymore. But fortunately mm -hmm. for us now, we're in Saks Fifth Avenue, Neiman Marcus, Blue Mercury, Cosbar. For online, we're on all the, the most prestigious sites, Netta Porte, Violet Gray. But if you want the best experience, come to our website, which is oneoneskin.com. <laughs> I'm actually going to be in London. What is the best place for me to visit? Where can I see like the, the best one-on-one skin experience? A hundred percent Harrods, even though mm -hmm. we have beautiful counters in Selfridges, in Harvey Nichols, but we consider Harrods our home. That's where we started on a tiny little shelf. And now we are next mm -hmm. to Creme de la Mer and Sicily and some of the biggest brands in the world. And we would love, please, if you do come, reach out to me. I'll organize a facial for you. We have our oh, facial suite as well, where we, we administer the best facial. We are in also in 85 five-star spas around the world with our products we do proper treatment menus and in miami we have the mandarin oriental yes i was there it was phenomenal i loved it so much and i'm so happy that you shared that you guys actually met in miami and whenever you're gonna come here please let me know and i'm gonna we're organize we're a meeting. beautiful day for you guys you and i will see each other and not on the screen it's guaranteed we're gonna go to pura vida and we're oh have... yes <laughs> you know it you know when was the last time you were in miami we go there all the time we were there for christmas oh wow okay yes. wonderful well yes. thanks again for being on the show and uh, again wh what is your instagram where can people find you it's eva 111 skin okay just eva, yeah at eva 111 skin Thank you so much. Wonderful. It was such an engaging conversation. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss out. I release new episodes every Monday. If you love Bougie Best Friend, please leave a five-star rating and a review. Your support means the world and it helps the show grow so I can keep on bringing more amazing guests. You can also follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Coco Beauty. And you can find Bougie Best Friend on Apple, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms.